Welcome to Insights, the podcast from Haley Marketing built to help you with your recruitment and digital marketing. Whether we're talking about marketing trends or what's working right now for staffing and recruiting firms across North America, we're here to share our insights on how you can stand out, stay top of mind, and sell more. Let's get to the show. What's up? This is Brad Biley, and welcome back to another episode of Insights, the podcast built to help you with your recruitment and digital marketing. As always, I'm joined by Haley Marketing's Director of Recruitment Marketing. He's Matt Lozar. Matt, how are you feeling this week, buddy? We're doing well, Brad. How are you? I'm good, Matt. Episode 93. We are closing Mm -hmm. in on the goal that we set, what, two and a half, three years ago of reaching 100 episodes, being consistent with insights. I was looking at the numbers today. I was pulling up the spreadsheet that we keep of shows and, and notes and segments that we talk about. Episode 93. Can you believe it? No, um, we haven't gotten ourselves canceled, and I guess people are still listening. So Appreciate that. We, we we must be doing something right. Thank you to the people that send us some notes. It's always yeah. very appreciated. Um, which we'll reflect more back here in seven or so episodes. But yeah, it's awesome that you know it's it's a grind a little bit sometimes. You know, content can be tough. You don't know what's out there, but but people are listening, engaging with it, and um, you know, we've talked about sticking to the the process and and keep producing really good, awesome content, and and it's it's rewarding. It's fun. It's it's a good opportunity for you mm-hmm. and I to, to talk about some good topics every week or every other week. I'm excited that we're at 93. And I, I think what happened, Matt, is I looked at the number and I didn't actually realize we were that high. You know, we put out the episode, we put out the show notes. It is what it is. We drop it. I never really look at what the episode number is until this morning when I saw it. So it kind of caught me off guard. But if you've been around since the first show, you've been around since, heck, this show, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you checking out the episode feel free to go back through and listen to older episodes of Insights, listen to older episodes of the interview portion of the show uh, with our co-CEOs, David and Vicky. If you have any questions, we'd love to answer them on upcoming shows. But Matt, what do you say, man? Let's get to the show, huh? Let's do it. The jobs report for May is out from the BLS, Matt. And I wanted to talk about it on today's episode and really talk about what it means for staffing and recruiting firms. Got a great little excerpt here from CNBC. The US economy added 390,000 jobs in May. Better than expected, despite fears of an economic slowdown and with a roaring pace of inflation, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported on Friday. At the same time, the unemployment rate held at 3.6%, just above the lowest level since December 1969. Matt, it's been a wild ride. I mean, you and me, we've been recording insights through this wild ride, this roller coaster of record low unemployment to record high unemployment to record low unemployment. It's been a roller coaster for the industry. And if you've been a part of the industry throughout it, you know, kudos to you for sticking along and, and doing what it is to, to really stay uh, relevant in this, this market. But, you know, Matt, when you think about what it means for staffing and recruiting firms to now be back at record low unemployment, what's it mean for you on the, on the recruitment marketing side of the house? It's, it's still tough. Um, it, it's so interesting because we're almost back to where we were with jo- the amount of jobs um, pre-pandemic. You know, we're averaging 400-ish thousand jobs added a month. We're, what, 900,000 jobs short. So do some math. Two to three months, we'll be there. Um, unemployment's back to where it was before the pandemic. The amount of jobs, open jobs, has skyrocketed, which I'm not quite sure where all those jobs are coming from. But Yeah, what does that mean? Does that mean like... Uh- is that like Amazon is adding 100,000 jobs at a yeah. fulfillment center? Like, How are we adding that many jobs? Yeah, there's just 
companies are trying to hire because they feel gotcha. the demand is there. Um, yeah. You know, the R word could be coming into play here. Mm-hmm. If we have another bad quarter, which I'm sure will change some things on the supply side, you know, if we get that recession. But, um, you know, the one challenge I think that's the biggest is the labor force participation rate. It's down still almost about a percent. Um, I feel like it ticked up a little bit last month, but there's just fewer people out looking in the labor force. Um, that's probably the, the better stat metric to look at. So if there's, you know, three, four million open jobs and there's two million fewer people looking for work, that's why the crunch is there. And it still feels like we're in this transition phase of, um, you know, remote work on the more professional side, but also probably automation. Like if, if you think about it, if you're a business owner and you, the demand is there for, for business for you and you can't find people, you're going to make two options. One, you're going to ignore the demand and your business is going to shrink or close. I don't think CEOs, high level C-suite want to do that. So you're going to find different ways to do the work. And that's probably the longer term thought of, you know, where's automation going to come from? I know I took this a little different path in recruitment marketing, but there's a lot of open jobs. And if business is there, demand is there, and you can't find the people to do the work, kind of a, a little bit of a shift. I don't know if revolution is the right word, but it could happen. It's interesting. And that's a that's a huge threat for staffing firms. Yeah. If you think about automation, you think about offshoring, you think about outsourcing, whatever it might be, that's a huge threat to staffing and recruiting firms. So how do you stay relevant if all of that's going on? You know, my, my take on it all, Matt, is this all comes back to having a strong brand, a strong marketing brand, a strong employment brand, whatever brand, you know, bucket you want to pull from there, whatever buzzword you want to use is fine with me. But low unemployment, high unemployment, regular, just every day, whatever it might be, unemployment, you got to have a strong brand. People need to know that they can come to you, whether they're a client and a prospect or a candidate and an applicant, they need to know that they can trust you. And right now, if you're seeing a ton of open job orders across your desk and you can't find people, well, we need to continue to think about how to grow that brand so that people know to come to you instead of look on a site like Indeed or a site like ZipRecruiter without your help. You know What drives people to you? And yes, those sites drive people to you as well. Matt's talked about that and in, in using programmatic job advertising and using other job advertising. But how do people know to come to you? How can you strengthen your brand? And what can you do? You know, it, it's using testimonials, it's using case studies, it's using case stories, it's building and strengthening your footprint in the local market. It's doing everything that we've talked about on Insights for 93 episodes to strengthen your employer brand. And for me, Matt, that's what it comes down to is the companies who are thriving right now back at low unemployment are the ones who probably created more marketing opportunities through record high unemployment. They, they used the COVID pandemic to catapult themselves forward now. You're right. The employment brand is going to be there regardless, low employment, high unemployment, because mm-hmm. if it's high unemployment, um, you know, the beginning of the pandemic, you can top grade and get better talent. So the brand matters sure. when it's now low unemployment, like we had February, January, beginning of 2020, and now middle of 2022, you need that because people have options. People are still applying for jobs. I look at jobs right. that every day for our clients. They're still applying for jobs. Is quality an issue? Separate conversation. But People are applying for jobs, but getting to Bad's point, maybe it's not a separate conversation. It's if your brand is good, people will switch jobs. And I think one, the wage is important at the start. Wage is huge. It's what gets people in the door. But then after that, you know, your employment brand content, Brett, like what what specific examples would you say? Because I'm thinking 
I'm thinking if I'm an employment brand opportunity right now, why this company, why should you work for me? What did they help me do during the pandemic? What have they helped me, my career growth? What have they done salary wise? What have they done placement, et cetera? What are some examples you would do on social or on career sites even to help with that employment brand in the current situation of 3.6% unemployment, a ton of open jobs, but people are looking, still switching jobs. So you're targeting that passive applicant. You're targeting that passive individual you need to give them initiative. You need to give them reasoning to consider leaving their current role. Whether that's better compensation, that's better hours, that's flex scheduling, that's the ability to be home by five and you can guarantee that every single day. Maybe it's guaranteeing half days on Fridays, whatever it might be. If you're light industrial, you're in a warehouse, maybe it's picking your own schedule. I know a couple clients that I'm working with who are working with their candidates to directly compete with Grubhub and Instacart and saying, listen, you pick your schedule. You tell us when you want to work and we'll work with you. It's having the ability to put the candidate first and not just tell people what they're going to do and put them in a role that they might like or not like, but actually work with them. Be a career coach, be a career advocate, be a mentor for those individuals. You know, if I am passively looking for work and I'm happy with where I am right now, I need to be absolutely certain that the decision I'm about to make is going to impact me personally, impact my family, impact my career, and push me forward on that career. Because if I'm happy where I am, and I don't want to leave, you need to absolutely sell this role to me. And that, Matt, comes back to job descriptions. That comes back to job titles. You know, how are you selling a job to a passive candidate? Are you selling it? And if you're thinking, as Matt's saying, that the majority of the workforce right now or, or individuals looking for work are passively looking, or maybe not a majority, but a, a good deal of them are passively looking, are you selling the role? Are you including salary in your job descriptions? Are you including salary when you're we're talking about an open role? Or are you sort of just saying, hey, we kind of got this opportunity. If you're interested, we should talk about it because I can guarantee you no one's going to reach out to just talk about it. They want to know what's in it for them. Matt, long-winded answer, got a little passionate about it, but I, I think ultimately you got to sell it. You got to sell yourself. You got to sell the brand. You got to sell the role. You got to sell the experience. You need to sell what it's going to do for them, for their family. Um, really just be human, man. It's, it's, it, it doesn't feel that difficult to me, but really we just got to be human. And then it doesn't stop after day one, right? Because we need to continue developing that, whether it's through your digital marketing or even just in the real world activities, which gets a little bit outside the scope of, you know, insights, but Hey, you know, Matt goes to work at Brad's staffing agency. How are you making me still feel appreciated? Is the schedule still flexible like you told me it could be? Am I going to get pay rates? Do I have career advancement opportunities? Is, you know, all those things that matter on a day-to-day, you know, am I feeling appreciated? That Those are those next level culture issues that matter, but they have a huge impact because I th- feel like you kind of forget about your employees, I would think, you know, because you take might take them for granted, but if they leave all of a sudden, then you're complaining that they leave. So you have to balance that with, you know, your new candidates with keeping your the employment brand still prevalent, you know, top of mind with your current employees. I want to talk about appreciation real quick. And and this is, I know, certainly different than marketing, certainly different than everything that we talk about. But myself and a bunch of us over here at Haley are in a course in, in this last week. Uh, we talked about an appreciation language assessment, Matt, and you talk about showing appreciation to your candidates, showing appreciation to your clients. It was a pretty eye-opening uh, exercise and experience to go through an appreciation language assessment to understand how different people feel appreciated. And if you're listening to this and you manage a team or you oversee a team, I would encourage you to Google that, take a look at it, 
because it opened my eyes. You know, basically the the long story short is if someone feels appreciated because they receive a $15 Starbucks card, but you consistently tell them they're doing a great job and write them thank you notes, that's not getting it done. And they don't feel appreciated that way. If instead your team would love or an individual would love a thank you note or they value quality time and they just want you to take them out to lunch, but instead you're giving them a $10 gas card, they're not going to feel appreciated regardless of how many gas cards you give them. Your candidates, your clients are the exact same way in understanding how people work and understanding their mentality and understanding how they feel and receive appreciation is critical. It's exactly what Matt's talking about. Uh, Really, really Really kind of interesting there, Matt, to be able to pull that back into insights and share that. Something I just learned, uh, uh, gosh, two days ago. So so nice to bring in. Matt, let's let's hop into a different segment here. I think we've talked about the May Jobs Report pretty extensively. Let's talk about timing on social media. Does timing matter with your social posts? Matt, if you don't mind, I'll take this one to get us started and then we'll kick it to you. For me, timing does not matter on social media unless you're talking about an event or a live event where you're joining the conversation. Example, if you're at a conference, if you're at a job fair, if you're outside of staffing, watching a football game, real-time content for those events will cut through on a site like Twitter, even on a site like Facebook, because there's so much engagement around it that the algorithms know to promote that content a little bit more favorably. Speaking of algorithms, that's why timing does not matter. LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, especially even YouTube are all algorithm driven in a sense where they want to show you the best possible content based on your search behaviors, based on your social behaviors. So they're waiting content, hoping that every time you open up their platform, they're showing you the right piece of content. So you stay there longer. As a result of that, it doesn't matter when you're posting. You just need to make sure that it is quality quality content because I mean, heck you might log into LinkedIn and see something from a week ago. It's a very common question because I feel like it's been a common question for a long time. So it's still top of mind with, with anyone who's posting on social has an impact input on social. Um, I can go both ways with this. Does it matter? It doesn't like Brad's right because, and it bothers me when I log into (laughs) A social platform, not Twitter, because Twitter is real time, but Instagram, LinkedIn, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook is where I'll look. And depending on the platform, you'll see stuff from two or three days ago, which, you know, there's algorithm based reasons for that. And I've gone back and forth. Like, I feel like it should be all duration, you know, time, you know, oh, posted at 6 p.m., then 5 p.m., then 4, you know, just show you the chronological timeline. We got there, chronological show you what you missed. Yeah. yeah, show you what you missed. But I understand why it's not just chronological because if Buddy Brad here posts a really nice photo of his lawn and I've engaged mm-hmm. with this post before and it's two days old, the algorithm knows I've liked Brad's posts in the past and it's going to show it regardless of when I log in. So it's not going to be chronological based. So overall, the time doesn't matter, but there's still this voice in the back of my head that dad is going to tell us it matters. I hate that you brought up my lawn because my brain got completely derailed thinking about what I want to do, <laughs> what I want to do to it on lunch. Um, <laughs> gosh. Um, like I think you're, the you're data, right. like I, 
have a running series I work with and I schedule out posts and Facebook will tell me when I'm scheduling out posts in the, uh, inside the Facebook software there, your audience is most engaged at this days and this times. And a lot of it's because it's families and moms. It's 8 PM, 9 PM on a weeknight or so that's when it would tell me to schedule. But it, it's interesting. I, I can definitely see both sides of this. I like that it is more algorithm driven. I want to be entertained when I'm on social media. I got a heck of a lot going on. When I have five minutes to check Facebook, I want to see sort of the best of the best. And if I get into a rabbit hole and I'm scrolling mindlessly for 10, 15 minutes, then I get to sort of that older stuff that I guess I, I need to see at this point. But if you're thinking, okay, I need to be posting every morning at 8 a.m. because that's when people are sitting down at their desks and that's when they're going to see my content. The truth of the matter is that's just not how it works. Instead, what they're looking at is they're looking for engagement. Are people engaging with your posts? If so, those social platforms will show it to more people. If they're engaging with the posts, okay, they'll show it to candidates, clients. So we want to make sure that we have value, that we're adding value. We want to make sure that people are engaging with our content. Our team members are engaging with our content. We want to make sure certainly that everything we're doing has a purpose. Matt, every post has to have a purpose. There, we said it on another episode of Insights. And if you're sitting down just to fire off a post at 8 a.m. every day on social, I would strongly encourage you to rethink that strategy and instead find something that has meaning, that has value for your community and for your audience. Even the best recruiter can't outform automation. At Haley Marketing, we use innovative software plus our experience managing millions of dollars of job advertising to help our clients automate their ad spend management. Want to see how we're helping our clients to reduce their cost per apply by an average of 33%? Contact us to get a free recruitment marketing review by emailing info at HaleyMarketing.com or calling 888-696-2900 and be sure you tell them that Insights sent you. Matt, let's talk about using client logos in our marketing. We get this question day after day. Should we be talking on our social media? Should we be talking on our website about who we work with? Should we include client logos? Should we not include client logos? Matt, what's your take? Should staffing and recruiting firms have a who we work with section on their website that features client logos? Shout out to Sarah from LinkedIn for sending us a message for this topic. She she, she wanted to share some some topics from what they're experiencing on day to day, which is awesome because we don't, we're not on the day to day for staffing agencies. We're doing the marketing. We talk to clients, but we're not there 40 hours a week, obviously. Um, I think it can help if you have client permission and have a really good, um, process for it because there's still probably some uncertainty for a candidate who's never worked for a staffing agency before of, Oh, Hey, do I work for Brad staffing agency or do I work for Matt's real company? Um, so I think being able to use those logos in a market where that logo's um, respected and has maybe helped with your recruitment because it has a really good employer brand can be can be really helpful. You know, this isn't one that I assume happens, but I'm sure in the local Western New York market where we're located, if Wegmans was a logo I could use at Matt Staffing Agency, that would help me instantaneously. Top place to work for the last 20 years, if you go into the store, they show it to you all the time. So that employment brand's there. So if you have that logo and you can use it on your website, on your social content, if you can use the company name, possibly in job postings, um, I would think if it's a a brand that's respected and people want to work with, then it would help you. 
Sarah, appreciate the question. And Matt, thanks for, for flagging that and making sure that we gave her a shout out. We appreciate you checking out Insights and listening every week. If you have additional questions or if you're listening thinking, hey, I want to get my question answered by Matt and Brad, please feel free to send that, send that along on LinkedIn to either of us on LinkedIn. Matt, I would make it part of my process. When I'm sending out a contract for a job order to a client or to a prospect, I would tell them that as a part of this, we are going to post your logo on our Who We Work With section of our website because by doing that, it reinforces to our applicants and candidates that we can walk the walk and we can talk the talk here. We can back up what it is that we're doing. We're not just a small staffing firm, but we work with some of the biggest organizations in Buffalo, New York. And if you're listening thinking, I would never put client logos on my website because I don't want my competitors to know who I'm working with. I have a bit of information for you. All of your competitors are already calling on your clients every single day or at least every other day. If you are in light industrial staffing in Buffalo, New York, you know the biggest organizations and biggest uh, businesses that you want to be working with. Sorry for stuttering there. Your uh, competitors know the exact same targets. So they're already calling on those individuals Instead of hiding behind, oh, I don't want you to know my my small book of business here, let's brag about who we're working with. Let's be proud of who we're working with. Let's boast about who we're working with. And let's be sure that we're showing those logos. Matt, I would absolutely 100% make it a part of my process. As a part of that process, as I send candidates or applicants out on assignment, I want testimonials from those clients. I want to know how they're doing. I want to check in every month. I want to check in every three months, every six months. And I want to continuously get new testimonials about the applicants that I'm sending so that not only do I have a logo for, you said Wegmans, but now I also have a testimonial from the hiring manager over at Wegmans. I have testimonials from uh, lead managers and lead roles over at Wegmans about the candidates that we sent them. I can have such a large database of a track record of success for placing these individuals in different roles throughout the city. That's how I would strengthen my employer brand. And Matt, that comes back to the first topic of insights. How do we strengthen our employer brand? We show that we actually have one and we show that we're working with the community and we show that we are for the community and we're a part of it, right? We do. And I think you have to use that employer brand where it matters. And I'm sitting here thinking about this because I have a client who's had a had a relationship with a company in their local geographic market for years and use the name and the job title in the job description, et cetera. Recently, it hasn't worked last couple of years. Maybe the current candidates don't really care about that company. It doesn't matter as much. It's not as, as an enticing of an employer to work at. So I don't think we can get lazy by just saying, oh, we're going to throw their logo, throw their company name on our content and that everyone's going to want to work there. You know, have to be, continue to be proactive and think about how that company is helping you recruit. Yeah, I, I get that. Also, and I don't know who you're speaking on, and we're just talking in generalities, right? But that would also send a signal to me that maybe I shouldn't work with that client anymore. Oh, good point. Maybe they don't have a strong employer brand. Maybe they're not treating candidates well. If candidates don't want to work there because now they know who the client is, that seems like a massive red flag to me. If I, the only way I can get people to go out on assignment is by not telling them where they're going until day one, that sounds like an issue, bud. So, so yeah, we need to be, we need to be a little selective here. And again, it's, it comes down to you running your business, how you like to, we're just here to share our thoughts and our takes on topics here. Sarah, we appreciate the question. We'd actually love to know what you're doing. Are you using client logos on your site? Are you using client logos on staffing? Uh, not on staffing, on social media. You know, reach out to Matt and I. Let us know what we're doing, what you're doing specifically, and if you align with what we're saying. Personally, I think it should be a part of the process. I think as you sign a new contract with an organization, 
part of that should be, and we're going to showcase you on our website because we're proud to work with you. We're proud to partner with you. And as a result of that, we want to show the individuals who are applying that we're working with you and that they're not just going to a random job. They could potentially be working at Wegmans, who is a best place to work for, gosh, man, it's got to be a decade, if not more. So yeah, that's my take on it. We want to make it part of the process. We want to add logos. We want to gather testimonials. We want to be proud of who we're working with. And gosh, if in a situation where people don't want to go to work for that client, maybe we need to think about that contract. And maybe we need to think about whether or not that's hurting or helping the brand and hurting or helping your overall business. That's our show. And thank you for listening to another episode of Insights. If you found this episode valuable, we would love to know. You can message Matt or Brad on LinkedIn to share your thoughts. Have a question for us, you could tweet us at Haley Marketing, let us know what you're thinking, or email info at HaleyMarketing.com. And of course, if you need a hand with your marketing or recruitment marketing initiatives, we would love to help. You can check out HaleyMarketing.com to get in touch with our team of marketing educators, and be sure you tell them that Insight sent you. My podcast partner, Matt Lozar, this is Brad Biley. We'll see you next time.